Welcome to Nana Tings. So I wanted to share a really vulnerable episode about things that I'm going through right now with like trauma, trauma bonding relationships, and emotionally mature parents. But before we get into it, let's hear this ad for a moment and then let's get into some tings, okay? Don't forget to check out my new book, Antonio's Return, available now on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble. It is an amazing book that talks about my journey of approaching 30 and it has a lot of astronomical uh, themes involved and I would really love if you all could check it out. It, it means so much to me. my gosh <laughs> I have so much to talk about yeah so I'm about to be 30 in a week and uh, I I don't even know where to start um don't mind me my drinking I have a lot of coffee today and water um I woke up today with like just ready to talk ready to heal ready to speak about some vulnerable things as always and for me as an artist I believe my best healing is when I write and I, I speak on these podcasts and I really wanted to, I'm about to be 30 in a week, right? So I've been really focusing on my mental health for the past two years and going to therapy and a lot of self-work and I'm finally facing a lot of my last demons in my closet to really enter 30, a new decade, thank the universe that I'm able to enter a new decade and, and share this wisdom and also just like learn more about myself daily, which I'm very appreciative about that. And I wanted to go over trauma, um, trauma bond relationships, and emotionally mature parents. Now, I don't make episodes, I'm not the kind of human to dig at someone or diss, right? People make mistakes and people have their own shit to work through, right? But for me, I make these episodes so other people can relate and, you know see what I'm going through and hopefully it could help someone. I, for the longest time, thought I had a great childhood. Well, no, I knew it was fucked up in the sense of like, I grew up poor, I was homeless twice, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm pulled the victim card either, but I, I didn't have the best childhood. I grew up without a dad, you know, him, my mom and my, my dad split up when I was four. My brother was only 11 months old, but I always idolize my mom, right? And being the older child, it it's a little difficult with a single parent, especially a broke single parent, where you sort of have to take on this role of like, and, and also, yeah, her, my mom being a single parent, I had to take on the role of being this the, the father role for my brother, right? Which I love my brother till today, and he is my best friend, and I wouldn't change our relationship for the world. Like, literally... If I were to take a bullet for anyone, it would be my brother. But at eight years old, that's fucking stressful, right? Like, imagine being a kid and having to watch your brother while I'm still a kid. I don't fucking know. Like, I wasn't the best babysitter. We would wrestle. I would slap him. I would yell at him. And I was only seeing that because I was looking at how my mom was raising us. And my mom was very violent. So... I ain't know anything else and I'm a kid myself. And then we would both get beat for even when I was watching or if we broke something, right? 
anyways, that's just a prime example of like that being traumatizing itself. Then on the other hand, I had an emotionally immature parent, my mom, where she would work double shifts, you know, be very exhausted, very cranky, had her own demons in her closet and her own trauma from her childhood. And then she would project it on my brother and I. And with that came a lot. It came a lot of beatings, um, a lot of emotional neglection, a lot of dismissiveness. And for me, being a sensitive kid, you know, being beat sucks. Like, I have so much resentment towards my mom still that I'm working on because, you know, that violence I was inflicted is like, it still hurts to think about. But what hurts more is the emotional neglection. There was moments I was bullied in school. And I, I just felt like I didn't have help at home. You know, I didn't go to my brother's. My brother was four years younger and, and still was a kid. I, you know, I didn't have, couldn't go for him for advice until later on in life. Um, I didn't have a dad. And my mom, that was supposed to be my full caretaker, um, yeah, wasn't really there for me. <laughs> and it, it, it's, I laugh now because I'm looking back at it and I'm like, fuck, like these are hurt feelings. I'm glad I'm working on it, right? But yeah, it just wasn't the best childhood. And it, it, the thing is, when you take on this role also, you start becoming like your parents' therapist. And for the moment, I had to be the adult in the relationship, which is crazy to think about because I was like 12 being more adult than my mom. And even till today, I feel like more of an adult than my mom. And this can form a trauma bond relationship, very similar to like the Stockholm Syndrome where you could kiki with your parent for four months, everything's great, da 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 we're best friends, and then something explosive happens, and then it's like rinse and repeat, and then it's like, oh, fuck you, I have all this childhood shit that I'm not dealing with, and then it's resentment, and then you don't talk for a week, and then you're best friends again. And that was a cycle my mom and I were in for a very long, long time, so... Recently, let me take a sip of my coffee because we're about to get into some teens. <laughs> Recently, we had an argument in August and it was one of those moments. So shout out really quick actually to Adult Children of Emotionally Mature Parents by Lindsay Gibson. She's a PsyD, so psychologist. And this book, my friend John recommended me it. It is amazing. Reading this, I got to see... It felt like someone understood me for the first time, you know? And we're going to get into, like, what a emotional neglecting kind of parent or an abusive kind of parent can lead an adult to start acting out as, right? Um, but yeah, so we had a fight in August, and it was really explosive. I think it needed to happen because it was just one of those fights where I just stopped, and I was like, oh my gosh, why am I so triggered? Because being, going to therapy and me and my, and, and, aware of my, you know, my, my being, I am starting to like pick up on triggers quickly. Right. And it was a moment where I was like, fuck, I'm in a trauma bond relationship with my mom. And then all these flashbacks came from my childhood. Now, when you're abused or you're traumatized, your brain will suppress a lot of it. Right. For some reason that day, it all came to me. Now I'm not going to get too graphic, but just to give you a detailed piece of my abuse, um, I was put in the hospital one time. Yeah, I'm not going to get too detailed about that, but it was not cute. Stitches and blood were involved. Um, there was another moment where I had to sit out of swimming for a month because my back was so beaten, I couldn't even be in water. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of questionable things that happened to me that Child Protective Services could have been involved. Um, and I will say the reason why they were not involved is because I thought about my brother and I would not want to be split up in an orphanage. And then see, you see how traumatizing that is alone, right? I took on the role of savior complex, which leads on into more things I'm going to discuss later on. Um, yeah, so speaking about this right now is giving me, oof, chills and all these vulnerable things right now because <laughs> I need it. I, ne I need to say this. I, I need to talk about it. I need to vent. Um, I need to just put it out there for the universe to know so I could create more art out of it. <laughs> um, it's It wasn't pretty... Yeah, you know, I, I was very, there was days I woke up where I thought I was going to die. Okay. There was moments where I thought living with my mom, I was going to die. And that's just the reality of it. And I am so fucking done of not owning my narrative. And what really pisses me off that I thought about when I was a kid that I think I had the most resentment towards my mom about is she used to tell me oh, this isn't as bad as I had it with my dad. Like, she would com compare my beatings to her beatings. And I grew up idolizing her because then I would tell myself, oh, mom says this isn't abuse. It's not as bad as hers. So this is just a regular beating. I'm going to suck up and stop crying and move on with my day. Fuck that. That is someone controlling my narrative. That is someone telling me what my trauma should be. And that is someone telling me what abuse is and what isn't. Uh-uh. During that fight a few weeks ago is when I sat down and I realized my whole life, my mom controlled my narrative. Even when I was 21. Yeah, it wasn't a physical altercation, but if she like verbally pissed me off talking about my dad or something that like hit below the belt, I let her control my narrative because I still would push it on the side to still be the best son that I can be for her whether it's helping her with rent money, whether it's helping her with bill money, you know, or just being there for her to talk or come in to see her once a month or hanging out. I was always available. But now I'm learning, no, I was violently abused. I was verbally abused. I'm fucking traumatized from it. And it is affecting my life till today. <laughs> And there's power in saying this because I think a lot of us, I think a lot of millennials can relate to this podcast because our parents' generation didn't talk about mental health, especially if they're ethnic. Like I come from an Italian Dominican background. Mental health, if you if you see a therapist right away, my family thinks you're a psycho, right? There's this like, there, there's a stigma against it. Like, oh my God, you can't talk about it, be vulnerable, you're weird or whatever, like fuck that. But I understand that a lot of their parents beat them or uh, was emotionally neglecting, or uh, was verbally abusive, and then they, they took that, and a lot of them had us young, had that, right? Like, some of them were 22, 23, 24, having us. So, it, they didn't even fully develop their brain yet, or grow up, or face their demons yet. They just rushed into parenthood. So, I understand them not being able to be emotionally intelligent, and you know, process their feelings, but it does, it doesn't give a right, you know, you can't disregard that they were so abusive. And that's where I'm at with my mom at this point. Um, she did apologize two weeks ago about being 
abusive and, you know, having shitty mother moments. And, you know, I, I thanked her for apologizing because that is something I, I've been wanting to hear since I was a baby. <laughs> to be honest, like, my first back slap I, I remember is five. And my first hospital visit was, I believe, first grade. Yeah. And then the second grade was when I couldn't swim for a month because my back was beaten so bad. So, I mean, I mean, some of my first memories are being beaten. So, for me, it, it just her... What, see, the thing about this book that I'm going to put in the link of this bio, emotionally immature parents, they don't have the process in their brain to go deep, right? A lot of their shit is surface level. So, just having my mom apologize and at least... You know, I don't expect her to take full ownership. She's still emotionally immature. But to have her acknowledge me for that one minute was so satisfying. So I was like, wow, you're finally stepping through. <laughs> so, yeah, um, some topics about this, though, that led me into my lifestyle, though. So for a while in my 20s, I was dating bad boys, fuck boys. Um, you know, I, I was attracting toxic friends. I was attracting like gay guys that were from a broken home and just came out and needed someone. So they would use me for two to three years and get like through my social network and then just cut me off. Right. And I'm learning that it's not even daddy issues, which is crazy. Usually you would stem it from, oh my gosh, well, he didn't have a father. So maybe he's looking for a dad. Actually having my mom, I never got the emotional attention I needed the only attention I ever got from her is when I was helping her or when I was there as a listening ear slash therapist or when I was being a savior for her and watching my brother or doing something for her so I finally learned that a lot of my toxic traits with dating and some friendships are based on oh my god I can save them you know what's so funny this whole time I thought it was because I'm an empath which I am and I think that's why I also feel things harder. And this is why, I, as an artist, I always need to create something, invent something, because I, I feel a lot and I internalize a lot. So I, sometimes I'm just like, fuck, I need to make a piece of art because it's just going to build up and explode at one point, right? Hold on, another coffee sip. Mm. But with that being said, there are internalizers and externalizers. So we'll get into that really quick. So usually when a kid is raised by an emotionally mature parent, they either are going to hold all their emotions in, but they're pretty self-aware about their subconscious and working on things. So they're forever working. But when they internalize things, they don't ask for help. Then you have externalizers. Externalizers are people that are always looking for help by, you know, whether it's heavily drinking, having consistently like a lot of sex and doing these kind of like manic outreaches of like, help me, but they never learn. When you're an externalizer, you can't, you, there are some externalizers that can, right? That ends up becoming internalizers or like growing, but a lot will stay like that. And what's crazy is that internalizer, internalizers that don't fully work on themselves will attract externalizers because we're the opening ear for them. And we're also as damaged. And that makes sense because a lot of my ex friends that I cut off were externalizers and I'm the internalizer. And a lot of my ex boyfriends also, and that goes into the savior complex still. So I was always looking for someone that I can fix. And going back to the empathy thing, you know, a lot of empaths have this problem too, where they're like, okay, I'm so open. I date a narcissist. So don't get me wrong. There, there could be a situation where you're an empath and like you could still attract that. But I'm, I'm realizing that like, no, mine was directed from, I was just looking for love. <clears throat> like I didn't have love from my childhood. 
I didn't have love for my parent that I needed. And I didn't, yeah, I, 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 well, apparently I didn't even find love in the friends and the guys that I dated because it, it was all surface level I was looking for and it was all me trying to fix them. And like, I thought being needed was a validation way of being loved. And I'm realizing that no, love should be two humans understanding each other and being there and being supportive for each other, but not saving. Like helping is fine. That's a part of a relationship, but saving is literally being like, I'm damaged because I don't have love. But the way I'm going to find love is if I find you that's damaged and I help fix you because then I have a place in life. No. That was me my whole life. And finally, <laughs> starting a new chapter, I'm learning about self-love. And I have another podcast episode coming out about like going on my solo trip and to Miami and really just learning about, you know, my own journey of doing things on my own and not relying on people or always looking for validation on apps or stuff like that and it's it's really tricky because this whole process is still new to me um you know these are wounds that I just opened up a few weeks ago so it's gonna be a journey it's gonna be a ride also I live home right now so being with my mom consistently is a consistent reminder so you know there's gonna be moments where I'm just like you know, I mean, I'm at weak moments, but we're getting there. And yeah, so going into this book really quick, I want to bring up a point. And, you know, so a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, well, your parent was so good. The thing about emotionally mature parents is they can be physically good. A lot of emotionally immature parents, since they are so surface level, they're good at like, if you're sick, they're needed. So they're like, oh my gosh, I could take on this role and like make sure you get better, right? Bring you to school. Cool. Like having a roof over your head. Great. What they don't understand is the emotional part of it. Like, are you picking up signs that I'm have anxiety? Are you picking up signs that I'm crying? Have you been, have you asked how my day was? Right? Um, you know, I'm being bullied. Are, are you, you know, diving into that? I'm only 12. Right, you know, it, it's these things. So, there's four types of parents that the author brings up. There's the emotional parent, which is for sure my mom, that is run by their feelings, swinging between over involvement and erupt withdrawal. They are prone to frightening instability and unpredictability. Overwhelmed by anxiety, they rely on others to stabilize them. They treat small upsets like the end of the world and see other people as either rescuers or abandoners. So, hence, we can see where my savior complex stemmed from, right? Second is the driven parent, which some of y'all may have, are compulsively goal-oriented and super busy. They can't stop trying to be perfect with everything, including other people. Although they rarely pause long enough to have true empathy for their children, they are controlling and interfering when it comes to running their children's lives. So these are the parents that may look like the best quote-unquote parents, but sometimes when you are so focused on results and driven to success and overbearing, it you know, you're cluttering at the child and you are just looking at the surface level things. Like, you know, there's like dance moms, like, oh my God, my kid, like got this trophy, this trophy that I, did you, is their mental health okay? <laughs> right? Then we have the passive parents, which I think is some of the worst. Um, they have like a uh, mindset and avoid dealing with anything upsetting. They're less obviously harmful than the other types, but have their own negative effects. They 
readily take a back seat to a dominant mate, even allowing abuse and neglect to occur by looking the other way, which is horrible. They cope by minimizing problems, and that's it. Yeah, um, these are the kind of parents that you see in movies, right? Where, like, the dad or mom is abusive and the other parent's just like, mm. like, blind eye. Then we have the rejecting parents. Engage in a range of behaviors that make you wonder why they have a family in the first place. Whether their behavior is mild or severe, they don't enjoy emotional intimacy and clearly don't want to be bothered by the children. And I really recommend this book because, you know, a lot of the things I just talked about in the past 20 minutes um, talk about this. Like, I'm not going to go fact to fact with this book because the book pretty much, what I needed from this book is it went over, I think, everything I knew and it went over my behavioral patterns, but it it just, it, it sort of shows you like the guidelines of like how the parents act and then it shows you like the results that we take on. So this book has some really good juicy stuff in it, but my takeaway is what I just explained. Like my biggest takeaway is that I definitely became a backseater in the sense of like as an internalizer, you become very observational and you take on that role. You observe, you try to become the therapist, you try to save, and this leads into a lot of relationships. So this episode isn't meant to be really long. It's meant for just me to, oof, it feels so good to vent this out. And it feels good for my friends to know this. Um, Because everyone thinks that, like, my relationship with my mom is, you know, so peachy clean. And, you know, like, we're best friends. But the reality is, like, I grew up in a very abusive household. And I have a lot of resentment and anger. And I also want people to know that anger is normal. I think... In society, we think, especially emotionally immature parents, they see anger as, like, the devil, and they're like, oh my god, you can't be angry. No. Now, being hostile is different, and, like, going to beat someone up, that's that's aggressive. Like, we don't do that. But anger is normal. Frustration is normal. You need these emotions to be constructive, right? An emotionally mature human will take anger and be constructive about it. Like, I have a lot of anger and a lot of resentment towards my mom, but I'm actively being constructive about it, right? And this book teaches you a lot about their generation and, like, their own, like, brain capacity. So, at the end of the day, I am very traumatized by my childhood, and I honestly still don't forgive my mom. I'm glad she apologized, but I can't fully forgive her because, like I said, I understand her trauma and background but for me it doesn't mean that a little innocent kid deserved everything that I had happened to me so I I approve the apology in the sense of like her accountability but my inner child will I need to move on to grow and heal but I'm never gonna forgive that abuse that happened because it, it's just not it, it's not okay right and I don't want, if I have kids in the future, I definitely don't want to do that, right? I want to make sure I'm so mentally aware of who I am and I would never want to bring that cycle around. Um, But with that being said, I can work on my resentment. My mom definitely had a lot of shitty moments, but I am happy that she provided a roof over my head and she has been super supportive of me being gay and coming out. And she has good qualities to her. The thing is, with this kind of situation, this book also teaches you, you just have to have boundaries, right? The whole, like, let's be besties thing is out the window. Like, I can't, that's just not me anymore. Um, 
the savior complex out the window. Like, I have a very, like, chill mom and son relationship now. But, yeah, you sort of, everyone is going to be different, right? But I want people to know from this that anger is normal. <laughs> um, resentment is so normal. Frustration is normal. Being pissed, being sad is normal. Because these are things that your inner child wanted to talk about. And it's going to be hard when you bring it up. And it's going to be a wound. Like, I had a lot of moments this past month of crying, of journaling, of fucking anger, of... Like, it's just... It's been a whirlwind. But I want to leave off with this saying... um, I just love what this author said. Ready? (laughs) There's no reason you can't have a happy life starting right now. I actually think it can feel more rewarding to give yourself a happy life now as an aware adult than to have always had it from the beginning. To be aware and present at the birth of your new self as an adult is pretty incredible stuff. How many people get to be awake and aware for the emergence of the person they were always meant to be? How many people get to have two lifetimes in one? So tell me, is it worth the pain to get to live twice in one life? Are you glad you've chosen the path of awareness? Yes, me too. And we'll leave off with that. Um, Pretty much what they're saying is like when you have that awakening moment, which mine was the fight two months ago, you start being like, okay, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I have resentment, that's the first amount, you know, there's a few layers of grief, right? You, there's those first feelings. And then as you start working through it, you're like, I'm just so happy that I'm not letting this run my life for the rest of my life. And like the author said, it's beautiful in that sense where I'm able to have a second life, a rebirth. It, I, I get to let little Antonio at five come to life. Um, <laughs> and I'm really excited because I feel like I'm curating, uh, or I should say actually like manifesting um, new relationships. I I feel like I'm attracting more positive people into my life. I have cooler friends, like cooler friends in the sense of like, they're just fucking chill. And like, there's been just such, they're so supportive. Um, Guys, I've been attracting like better non-chaotic men. It just, it's, it feels, it feels like I'm being me for the first time. And I love that it's happening at 29 because I literally am turning 30 next week. And I think it's fucking great that I'm here. I'm here and I'm alive and I'm, I'm facing my demons and I'm vulnerable 24-7. So my thing to everyone listening to this, um, own your trauma, but also own your narrative. And I'm here to talk, okay? I hope you all have a, an amazing day and love you all and thank you for the support. Talk to you later on Nana Tings.